Hello and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, coming to you from 2SER Studios in Sydney on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Broadcast right around Australia on the Community Radio Network and around the world wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we take a closer look at the business issues making up the news. This program is made possible by the assistance of the UTS Business School. The use of artificial intelligence in marketing has been growing rapidly. From rideshare apps to product recommendations, chatbots and customer feedback, AI in marketing is everywhere. And it raises some important questions. How important is the use of AI to marketing? How much does it pervade our lives and our purchasing decisions? How much do we trust AI? And how persuasive is it? Joining me today to talk about the use of AI in marketing is Ashish Sinha, Professor of Marketing for the UTS Business School, and also Taewoo Kim, Assistant Professor at the Marketing Discipline Group at the UTS Business School. Ashish, Taewoo, thank you so much for joining me today here on Think Business Futures. Pleasure for me to be here. Thanks for having me here. Now, Ashish, I'll start with you. Let's start very, very broadly. Tell us about what AI is, what it means today, and how it is used in marketing in general. The first thing to remember is that AI has been around for the last 80 years or so. So it's not a, something a new phenomena. Uh, it has taken off in the last 10 years. And it's largely to be to do with how artificial systems or computers uh, can make decisions like humans that involves both perception as well as language. Mm. And it has had a huge impact on business in general, uh, given that uh, in the last 20 years or so, uh, there's mountains of data that has been generated. And for that mountains of data, uh, for businesses to gain insight from that data, it's important to have algorithms uh, that are able to uh, generate that insights and artificial intelligence allows us to do that. So in some ways, understanding the customers better, uh, understanding their preferences, uh, what are some of the things that they want uh, at a particular point in time um, from a customer perspective and also from a firm perspective is how should they create value? How should they deliver value uh, way better than uh, what they have been doing without access to data and these uh, algorithms. Okay, Taewood, is there anything that you'd like to add to Ashish's definition? Sure. I'd like to supplement uh, his perspective a little bit from a psychological perspective. So I'm doing research in terms of uh, examining individuals, how they perceive AI, rather than how they actually change the uh, business landscape or how that changes the uh, business relations. From individual perspective, uh, AI is many things. People's perception about AI is mostly summarizing their uh, nice belief about what AI is or might be. So there is a myriad of different beliefs. But generally speaking, the definition of AI uh, from an individual perspective would be uh, non-human intelligence that mimics humans. So human intelligence includes many things, emotional intelligence, cognitive intelligence, and the ultimate goal of AI is to mimic human intelligence. And that is often called as uh, the singularity, the point in which AI is equivalent to human intelligence in all possible domains. Many experts expect that will be around 2040, 2050. There is some disagreement on when that will arrive. But my personal belief is that non human intelligence that mimics human intelligence will certainly arrive in a few decades. 
Wow. Okay. Ashish, let's go back to how AI is used in marketing today. Where are some of the most you know prevalent places where we see AI being used? So uh, all AI, first of all, is not the same. There are three different versions of, so to say, the artificial narrow intelligence, which is what you see today is prevalent around us. And that is largely to do with using data and large amounts of data that is being generated to try and mimic human-like decision-making, which then can help in um, coming up with insights that might be useful for how to respond to a particular situation involving customers, whether it is to do with pricing or promotion. And so artificial narrow intelligence is largely dependent on the data that is generated and use of that. The second one is what is called as artificial general intelligence. Now, that is the concept of singularity. AI has been really good at perhaps you know, solving tasks, not for jobs. Now, in the last 10 years, there has been explosion of algorithms and data in what we call as the artificial narrow intelligence. And, and what those systems allow you to do is to come up with highly accurate predictive machines, which then allows you to understand, given a particular context, how would humans behave? So the uncertainty around a decision-making is uh, markedly reduced because now, with a lot of accuracy, firms can predict how customers might behave in a particular situation. It has taken off enormously in marketing. All that has happened a lot in the last 10 years. And you know, the forecast is that this trend will accelerate over the next you know, 20 to 30 years. So it's important to understand that there's a lot that's been done in the artificial narrow intelligence. There's very little that has been done in the singularity or the artificial general intelligence. And where it has a huge impact is at the interface of when you are replacing, say, for instance, these chatbots instead of human beings, that they're not able to go beyond what they have been trained on. Mm. So the level of dissatisfaction with digital technologies, with chatbots, even though the adoption is very high, is incredible. You know, 75% of the firms today say that they're not satisfied with the results that chatbots, and so do the customers. Mm. So while there's a large amount of adoption, we've got a very long way to go, even in the artificial narrow intelligence. Mm. Taiwo, yeah, please. It's great that Ashishi laid out the concept of artificial narrow intelligence and artificial general intelligence, because I think those big concepts actually impact how AI changes the marketing landscape. If you think about how consumers purchase products, there are a few steps, including information search, and then they narrow down uh, to a list of things that they want to consider, which we call alternative uh, alternatives, and then they make their decision, actually buy it, get it delivered, and then they will make post-purchase uh, decisions and evaluations. In all those steps, uh, artificial intelligence is increasing their influence. For example, in, uh, in the stage of information search, uh, they sometimes aware of our future preferences, even the ones that we do not recognize, and they make <laughs> recommendations in terms of our past purchase histories. Absolutely. I think a lot um, of people can relate to that. 
right. Mm. And when people are considering a few alternatives, artificial intelligence can send a timely nudge uh, to drive uh, consumer decision towards certain directions. Of course, that can be driven by uh, company incentives. And then when you actually get it delivered, the logistics are also controlled by artificial intelligence. Post-purchase decisions uh, dealing with the complaints and repeat, uh, repeated purchases, all those are also the areas uh, of marketing where artificial intelligence is growing its impact. But like Ashish mentioned, all those works that is done by artificial intelligence are tasks because the current AI is uh, showing only demonstrating narrow intelligence. So in that way, uh, artificial narrow intelligence is also uh, related to a domain-specific AI. But what Ashish mentioned is artificial general intelligence uh, is capable of jumping across different domains and they are not domain specific anymore. Uh, when such an artificial intelligence arrives, perhaps one single algorithm, a smart algorithm, I believe could integrate all those um, uh, marketing touch points with the customer starting from information search all the way to the post-purchase decisions and evaluations. So there are emerging tasks within marketing where artificial intelligence is growing, including product recommendation, preference analysis, and so on. But they are somewhat scattered and conducted by different algorithms. Ashish, we'll move on and talk a little bit about how firms are adopting AI into their systems. Now, is there a bit of a technological sort of literacy gap whereby a lot of firms are not realizing the full potential of AI and haven't yet integrated into into their systems. And how do you see potentially this gap being overcome? Is it just a matter of the the literacy being accumulated over time in marketing firms? There are two set of companies that have done fantastically with AI and data, mm. right? And these are very large firms like the Facebooks or Google or Microsoft, you know, all these firms have done really well. And you can see that the valuation of these firms in the last, whatever, five to seven years has quadrupled. And it's largely because their adoption of AI and data and digital technology. Uh, and then you have got startups. A lot of the fintechs, for instance, have done exceptionally well in a, using AI and data. The firms that haven't done really well are the ones in the middle. You know, they're legacy organizations, they are wetting their feet, they're trying out, and it's a combination of things. It's a combination of leaders not knowing what does it mean uh, to be a data-led or an AI-led company mm. uh, to literacy, digital and AI literacy, um, and, and just not having access to the talent that you require to pull this off because you know you would rather be working for a large firm or a startup than a legacy firm where you have to convince your boss that data and AI actually can make a difference mm. versus those who are already sold to this notion, which would be the larger IBMs and, and, and things like that. Mm, okay. You, you sort of mentioned these larger organizations where AI is intrinsic to the running of these organizations. One of the things that I've read is people are worried that like automation, AI will be you know, a threat to marketing jobs. Tewu, tell us about the dynamic between the use of AI and its potential and the relevance of hu human input into, into this process. Yeah, that's a great question. 
Actually, there is a, one seminal paper written by uh, some Oxford scholars, and they have calculated all human jobs probability being replaced uh, by machines. And a main factor of probability for being replaced by machine is determined by how routine and standardizable the job is. And we actually see this trend in, in these days, whereby the jobs that is replaced by, replaced by AI first is a routine and standardizable job, such as telemarketer or collecting customer information, basic ones. However, there are certainly some capabilities of AI that is falling far short of humans. And one example would be intuition, empathy, and other types of emotional capabilities. And marketing jobs uh, definitely require some of those in certain tasks. For example, uh, dealing with an angry customer or a customer who has uh, complained about the services or product failures. If you put a machine or robot or chatbot there, try to deal with it, it could easily backfire. In that case, a uh, human customer representative jumping in and you know, synthesize or emphasize with the customer, uh, that capability is definitely required, but that is absent in AIs or even the most advanced algorithms. This is just one example, but if you compare AI to humans in terms of full spectrum of intelligence, there are many blind spots of AI. Simply put, there is certainly a trend in which marketing jobs are being replaced by AI, but there are certainly some domains in which AI will have to evolve a few more decades at least to catch up with the human capability in those domains. So marketing jobs or any other jobs that require those, uh, those capabilities will remain to human territory uh, longer than the other jobs. Mm. But another question is, uh, what if um, AI is capable of all those, mimicking all those human capabilities in full spectrum? And then perhaps there is a chance that most of the human jobs are to be replaced uh, by AI. That it's, it's fascinating. I want to sort of bring this to a concrete example. For example, in advertising, a lot of creativity is used by advertisers to come up with campaigns that resonate with their audiences and they sort of use a combination of data and that sort of inferring how people might respond to different messaging and that sort of requires a creative mind, empathy and, and these sorts of things that we've mentioned. Ashish, how likely is it and if there is a timeline that we can place on this <laughs> that AI will be able to replace those pieces of creativity, the ability to empathize and, and, and things that, that we might use in perhaps an occupation like someone who comes up with advertising campaigns and, and messaging for organizations? Sure, sure. Thanks. There's been a lot of advancement, but much of the advancement has been in artificial narrow intelligence. We are nowhere close to AGI, artificial general intelligence, which requires that a machine behave like human being and have all the kind of emotions and intuition that comes naturally to, to humans. We're somewhere in the middle, which means that machines and humans have to work together. Rather than trying to come up with autonomous systems, it's important to think about systems that can help human beings. And which means that some of these jobs are going to be automated, right? Because again, back to Tavis' point, they're standardized. Why do we require human beings to do it? But when it comes to some of the things that you're talking about, right? The creative elements of humans are, they are an integral part of, of that task. 
that why not use AI to help you to do things better rather than thinking about the replacement of jobs. So it's augmented artificial intelligence where humans and the machine come together for an outcome which is way better if only humans were working on it. So to me, rather than think about this, this, the scary scenario of how AI will take over all these jobs, it's way better to think about how can machines help human beings to, be, to become better in whatever they're doing. Taylor, I think this sort of leads us um, interestingly into some of the work that you do around how people perceive AI and how how they respond to AI in marketing. Why don't you tell us a bit about this this concept of, of free will and how the appearance of free will affects people's decision-making and how that relates to AI used in marketing? Let me start with uh, how people think about AI's free will based on what I found in my research. Most of people do not think AI have free will, regardless of whether it's a fact or not. I read some interesting article recently that some uh, scientific uh, developers or engineering team developed an AI that sort of demonstrates its autonomy and decision style that mimics human free will. Maybe technology will make AI sometimes reach to a point where it can make its own decision, have its own desire, or, or even create its own goals. But at least until now, ordinary people who are not expert in AI do not believe that AI has its own free will. And the reason is because they believe that we developed AI to serve our purpose, which is true. This can change AI's impact in marketing dramatically different compared to when a human customer representative serves the same role. For example, uh, in one experiment with the ride-sharing service Uber. So story goes like this. You go to a restaurant and you pay $20. You used Uber. And on the way back, you called the Uber again. And this time, the Uber provided you $30 over. This it is the same ride, but it is more expensive. So you'd feel maybe you're treated a bit unfairly or doubtful about how the price was determined. Mm. What we did in this experiment was in one condition, we told the participant that the $30 return trip price was determined by Uber's uh, pricing agent, which was a human agent. In the other condition, we told them that the uh, return trip price was determined by an algorithm that Uber uses. Mm. So same scenario, but in one case, it was a human agent. In the other case, it was an algorithm. What you found in this experiment is interestingly, when you describe uh, when we explained them the price was determined by an algorithm, those participants felt they are less unfairly treated, more likely to accept the higher price. And this mm. was because people do not believe that AI has its own free will. When someone increased the price from 20 to 30, we have mm. our defense mechanism about being treated unfairly kicks in, mm. and therefore mm. we raise our guard toward the potential unfair treatment. But we found that the people do not become as defensive as when they are facing with an algorithm because they simply think it's an algorithm that is invented by human. So there is a less chance that such a mechanic algorithm have an intention or autonomy to take advantage of them. Mm. So this one example shows that the 
perception of absence and presence of free will in humans and AI are different, and they can have many downstream consequences. That's a fascinating example. Um, and I think that everyone can sort of empathize with the idea of if the outcome is the same, we'd rather be ripped off by an algorithm than ripped off by a person, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Ashish, do you want to move? Let's move this on to how persuasive AI is and can be, because this is this funny little border, because marketers can use this information that Taewoo just outlined to their advantage. They can they can use algorithms and sort of pass the blame onto the algorithm and, and, and customers might be more likely to accept a price rise or, you know, whether advertising is coming at them through different streams and things like that. How do we sort of weigh this against persuasiveness and make decisions on when AI should be used for certain things and, and when the human element should come in? The, the difference is, so to say, one-shot experience versus something that you experience on a daily basis. And the reaction to that would be very different. So, so to give you a very simple example of that, staying with Uber, so, you know, surge mm. pricing. In a number of situations, the surge pricing, when customers were faced with a crisis, and this is like uh, what happened in New Orleans or in Sydney Siege, surge pricing just skyrocketed. I mean, it went up by 50 times because everyone was trying to escape. Now, that was when a lot of people had issues with Uber's pricing algorithm because it was obvious that in times of trouble, when they know that the demand's going to be high, given that so many people are in the same place and are facing a crisis, that they could charge as much as they like. And so there's, there was a backlash. It may be okay. You might let an algorithm get away once or twice. But if, if this was to happen on a routine basis, then your response is going to be very different. And I think you would not distinguish between an algorithm and a human being, just as you wouldn't do like, okay, you know, you can let a human being get away once. But if those violations were to happen on a regular basis, then that won't happen. Now that we have experience with these algorithms for the last five to 10 years, we have formed our impression as to where it sort of works, where it doesn't work, and we will not allow for it to violate us on a routine basis. Mm. It's time for us to start wrapping up, but maybe a good way to conclude it is, Tewu, to talk a little bit about trustworthiness of AI and maybe how that will sort of shape our perception of it and how AI continues to be integrated into the marketing landscape as we move forward. Sure. I agree with Ashishi that uh, one key factor influencing trustworthiness of AI is how familiar people with the AI in the domain in which trustworthiness is needed. So for example, like Ashishi said, once the product recommendation worked out pretty well, if an AI shows a good capacity in terms of making accurate prediction of my own preference, I would be inclined toward uh, listening to AI again, which can translate into increased trustworthiness. So familiarity is definitely one factor. I think another factor driving trustworthiness is what people believe AI is capable of and incapable of. So if AI tried to make a persuasion attempt saying that, well, visit this resort or try this wine, it tastes really good. These types of persuasion attempt is based on experience and emotion and feelings in which most of people do not believe AI is capable of. So persuasion pitch by an AI could go wrong route. 
if it's uh, based on um, capability or pitch uh, in which it does not make much sense, then such a uh, persuasion could backfire, decreasing people's trustworthiness to AI. Therefore, AI's capability and people's belief about AI capability is another important factor. To be more general, at the general level, I think trustworthiness to AI uh, depends very much on how AI is regulated and how AI is utilized in the industry and for whose benefits. Mm. AI is largely uh, developed and utilized by companies for their incentive, for example, cost reduction, or AI do not feel uh, any fatigue. But at the same time, uh, those uh, involvement in AI into uh, the company operations, they definitely influence consumers. And I think it's uh, the role of the regulatory board to create an environment where AI do not only serve for the companies, but also it is used uh, with a good regulation to increase the overall well-being uh, of the entire society. If those uh, environment um, is created, then people believe that AI is under good control, under good hand, and it's ultimately serving our own benefit in its entirety. And I believe the general level of trust toward AI could increase. Mm, okay. It's time for us to wrap up, Ashish. Is there anything you want to finish with before we finish? Sure. Uh, I, I guess I mean, it's, it's a really interesting area. There's mm, absolutely no absolutely, doubt that yeah. might... Uh, and it's not you know, not only AI in marketing, but AI in, in general. Um, and um, you know, over the last 70 years, what you've seen in this particular field uh, is the boom and the bust. What is so different about this time in comparison to you know, whatever happened before the boom and the bust cycles is that artificial intelligence has gone mainstream. Mm. And that never happened before. And so um, that's an advantage, but it's also a big disadvantage. Mm. The advantage is that um, everyone can use it today, but few people understand what it is. And when very few people understand what it is, it's just as a user right? and whether it is uh, you know, using these tools, you don't understand its limitations and you also don't understand where it's going to fail which is what is very prevalent at this particular point in time. So mm. to me, you know, it's really great to see the way um, that it, the, it's trending up and, and you know, it's, it's all around us at this point. But the downside of that, as well as that perhaps people just don't understand enough about artificial, and including researchers, which then also creates its own set of problems. So unless we have that literacy up right across the board, I think we're going to be in this very difficult position of on one side being able to leverage, but also not understanding what are the limitations of the system. Mm, absolutely. Well, it is a fascinating subject, as you mentioned, Ashish. Uh, I really appreciate both your time joining me to share your thoughts on it and to share your experience. It's been great. Ashish Taewu, thank you so much for joining me today here on Think Business Futures. Thank you thank for you. having us today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Think Business Futures. Thank you to my guests, Taewoo Kim and Ashish Sinha. You can listen and share this chat wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to get Think Business Futures in your feed each week. And please support the show by leaving a review. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, and I'll see you again somewhere in the world of business next week.